This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, this is Eric LeMay, a host on New Books in Literature, a channel on the New Books Network. Today, I interview Kelsey Ervick and Tom Hart about their new collaboration, The Rose Metal Press Field Guide to Graphic Literature. The book brings together 28 of today's most innovative creators of poetry comics, graphic narratives, and image-text hybrids. With original craft essays, corresponding exercises, and full-color examples of their work, each contributor offers reflection and instruction informed by their own methods and processes. It's a beautiful and vibrant book that invites writers, artists, and would-be creators into a feast of play and possibility. Kelsey Ervick is the author of the graphic memoir The Keeper and several other books. Her comics have been published widely, including in the Washington Post, The Believer, and Lit Hub, and two featured comic series of hers have appeared in The Rumpus. She is a professor of English at Indiana University South Bend, where she teaches creative writing, comics, and literary collage. Tom Hart is the author-artist of the New York Times number one best-selling graphic memoir, Rosalie Lightning, and of The Art of Graphic Memoir. He is the executive director of the Sequential Artist Workshop, an organization and school for comics and graphic novels in Gainesville, Florida. Before founding SAW, Tom was a core instructor at the School of Visual Arts in New York City for 10 years. Enjoy my conversation with Kelsey and Tom. Kelsey and Tom, welcome to the New Books Network. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks. Oh, I, Hi. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to read the, the title of the book that we're going to talk about today. Um, and the title in and of itself gives us so many points of entry to talk about what you've accomplished. Um, but before I even read the title, I just want to say that this is a gorgeous book. Um, and the title is The Rose Metal Press Field Guide to Graphic Literature, Artists and Writers on Creating Graphic Narratives, Poetry Comics, and Literary Collage. So immediately, when you look at the, the front cover of the book, you're like, 
this book is covering or seems to be covering a vast, a vast terrain. Um, and so when you talk about the book with, with other writers and potential students and things, how do you take them into that terrain? Yeah, I think the title is one way of trying to bring people into that terrain. And we thought kind of long and hard about which terms to include, what to title it. Um, this is obviously part of the Rose Metal Press series of field guides to different forms of hybrid literature. So they it began with flash fiction and then prose poetry and then flash nonfiction. So this is the fourth in that series. And um, that we were just excited to pitch to them, like, let's, let's talk about comics, but let's talk about poetry comics. Let's talk about collage. Let's talk about all sorts of text image combinations and iterations and, um, and, and create a book that, um, really like takes what we, you know, think we know about comics and just expands the field yeah, you know, I come from a pretty traditional comics background, and so this has been a quick um, mind expansion for me, sort of piggybacking on Kelsey's curiosity about the form. But the great thing is that I see, I teach a lot of people, <laughs> and I see a lot of people saying, is it okay if I do blank, 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 blank? And this book pretty much assuredly gives the answer yes to just about any question like that a lot of people are like is it okay if i have not a lot of pictures or is it okay if i like put the words in this kind of format instead of that kind of format or is it okay if i use these materials and um and i've always said in a very casual but but sort of um coarse and unrefined and in unspecific way i've always said yes but now i can say yes here's an example (laughs) you know (laughs) yes take a look at this book or here's a great here's a great person actually expounding upon that a little bit that was that was my initial experience my my inner artistic muse child uh was just so happy flipping through the pages like wait all these things are possible um and this is going to be an impossible question but but there will be listeners who, you know, have some sense of, of graphic literature, like they might have read Rosalie Lightning or The Keeper or, you know, Mouse or um, Fun Home or something like that. Um, is there any way to to give us a sense of of these possibilities that you're talking about? Like, it, it, it's a tough thing. Like, can you describe the visual impact of the book? But um it is, it is, I think, carving out, um, yeah, these new possibilities that you, you can find them if you really go looking and know they're there, but suddenly here's this book where you see like, oh my gosh, this is, this is something I haven't seen before that is so artistically interesting, um, that's taking poetry and transforming it, that's taking image and transforming it, um, yeah, or, you know, that's that's one of the, the problems that I've come up against as I've been talking to other people about the book. Well, well what is it? And I think, how am I going to describe it? So I wonder if you all had any luck. Well, I guess that's where we get into our sort of overly long subtitle um, and try to, you know, think about a few different categories, um, you know, graphic narratives being um, maybe what we would think of with 
some of the more traditional comics, but where it's, um, you know, where there's more of a narrative, someone's telling a story, whether it's a fictional story or a memoir or graphic journalism, but there's, there's a story being told graphically with text and image um, versus like poetry comics thinking, you know, more about poetry where it's probably less narrative. It's more about, you know, words, language, image, texture, and actually, that was, I kind of came into this via poetry comics because I find them, I mean, there's a huge range of styles and everything, but I just found them so beautiful, such a beautiful way into poetry and a beautiful way into comics. And I love how the words and images like interact with each other in a way that just invites you to just like, you know, feast your eyes. Um, and then literary collage, I had already been working in a bit with my um the, my book that came out before this that uh, well before my graphic memoir where i was i was finding um textual fragments and moving them around with each other but then i was also incorporating um kind of cut and paste imagery into this story that i was telling and so i wanted to be sure that we were thinking um outside the panel, perhaps, is a way of thinking of it. Um, and that, you know, that we could tell tell stories as well through, like, these these found images and found words and, like, rearranging. And um, and so, you know, I love the the collages and the erasures that we have in the in the book as well to think of to think of all those. That's a really thorough response. I don't don't have a lot to add, except that I'll just accentuate that for the longest time, at least where I was coming from and where I was teaching from and where a lot of students were coming from was, what is the story? How How can the form serve the story? How can the images serve the story? What's the best way to tell the story? Um, and so we're starting to move past that, you know, Kelsey far be far before me has been moving past that to like, the words you used were words, image, language, and texture. You know, how do those things um, create a form? How do those things um, move us inside? You know, how, how do, what do they do? What does poetry do? I don't know. <laughs> but this is sort of an, expl- an exploration of all of that. Yeah. I'm wondering, since you're both teachers, how you, you help and foster students into that creative space because one of the the wonderful things about the work in here is that it's it's work that essentially needs text and image so it's not merely an illustration of a textual story and it's not merely text to accomplish a prime to accompany a primarily um, graphic work but it it is this sense that you you absolutely need both. I think in in the introduction there's something about it's both a mix of mediums and genres at the same time, um, and so so you have these students that are wandering into the space, and in some ways this book is a response to them for them. Um, so so how do you how do you work in that space? How do you encourage in that space? How do you you know workshop in that space? Yeah, I. This book definitely for me came out of my teaching. Um, and, you know, I, I teach creative writing and I've taught fiction workshops and nonfiction workshops. And I have an arts, aesthetics, and creativity, like general education course that's like 
intended to be interdisciplinary, and I've used it to start teaching literary collage and comics. And it has been the most like energizing, like thing that's happened to my teaching is it's just getting students who come in and maybe haven't drawn anything since they were in, you know, first grade or junior high, and certainly never planned to be doing um, a, a comic or a literary collage. And, and we, and I just, get them to to draw and 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 write a song lyric and pair it with a drawing and suddenly like there's like this energy of like image and text that they can feel and there's this like pleasure and delight in in sharing it in the class and um and and I was just wanting you know I, I I've used different textbooks including um Tom's art of the graphic memoir in in versions of that class and um you know and I wanted a textbook that would also, not just a text. I mean, I feel like this is not just a textbook, but I wanted a book I could use in class um, in addition to being someone who, if I was on my own, you know, stumbling through this, that would have this like resource and range of ways of doing it. Um, so, um, and I want to also acknowledge that on my personal journey of like wanting to learn more about comics, I found Tom and he. Like, I don't even know if he knows how much of a teacher that he has been to me through all of his, um, you know, books that he's written, the videos he's made, the online courses he's taught. Um, I went down to Saw in Gainesville and met him in person and did a week-long workshop there. And I've just, like, I've learned so much through him, um, both from my own practice, but then, like, that I, you know, steal and take back to my own students. So what did she steal, Tom? <laughs> everything, everything. I'm so resentful. <laughs> She's going to hear about it in a solo podcast that I give sometimes. <laughs> no, um, but I do want to. I do want to um, agree the what Kelsey said about like you know an image and a song lyric. It's a great place to start. And really, if you're going to ask, you know, how do you workshop these things and how do you get people into that space, letting them play is the first thing, right? Letting them. F- combine in a way that is utterly impossible to fail at let them let them combine pictures and words and then let them give them guidance to help them follow their own instincts after that um it's really 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 been fun it's something i've had to learn the hard way and actually yeah i i've realized i forgot to get back to that part of the question of like kind of how to deal with it in more of a workshop situation. But it's interesting in these particular classes that I was referring to, as opposed to my, you know, upper level creative writing classes, um, I, we don't workshop in a traditional way. It's, you know, it's gen ed and it is about play. And so, um, and so basically the, we put somebody's image, you know, like their comic or something up on the, um, you know, the overhead, like, through the projector and um, and I and we just and I just say like can can who wants to say something nice about this you know and so all we do is compliment each other <laughs> and like the conversation might start to emerge where it's like oh well you could do this or whatever but it's mostly just like say something you like about it and um, and that I think goes to that you know, it, it inspires more play that I tell them they're not going to be graded on their drawing in this class that they'll be, you know, graded on um, the effort that they put in. And it's amazing how much better your drawing gets when you put in some effort. Um, so anyway, I realize this isn't a pedagogy uh, <laughs> podcast. Well, 
That's I think as we're it. saying that the the book is, you know, you you had mentioned this uh, in your previous answer, right? The book is it could be used in a classroom if you wanted to do this, like it's built for that. It's also built um, if you can't get down to Tom's school, um, you can kind of go to this book, and uh, it has a whole bunch of different activities that you can do that encourage that play. So maybe this is a moment where we should just let listeners know, like, of what does the book actually consist, right? Like, what's in it? Because um, I don't think I've done that yet, and that's probably, you know, here we are 13 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, we've got 28 contributors that um, we – are so happy to feature. And so that's the other exciting part is that, you know, readers will be, will learn from 28 practitioners of comics and graphic narratives and, and, you know, literary collage. And so there's 28 contributors. Each one has an original craft essay where they talk about some aspects of their practice and their making and their craft. And then um, they follow that with, an exercise that invites readers to try it out on their own, followed by um, a four to five page full color example of that practitioner's work. Um, and so, yeah, so it, and it's, it's, it's really is like a feast for the eyes. I mean, it's so cool to see the inside of the book and just see all these beautiful and diverse, um, you know, works of comics and collage just like pass by your eyes and then to know that you're going to get these like this amazing instruction from our contributors and with all sorts of different approaches and you know different different rules it's like when tom was saying earlier people are like can i do that you know like yes you can there's so many different types of image word combinations happening here too um, you know, you get some really traditional ones that are fantastic, like like Kristen Radke's or T. Bui, right? Who really work in very, in, uh, ultimately very traditionally. They use boxes. They use um, they use words inside of little boxes on top of the boxes and things like that. But then, but then, and uh, I didn't know everybody that Kelsey was lining up. So there's some real. I say this in the best way, oddballs in here. Like, <laughs> um, and I, by that, I just mean sort of like outliers or things I never would have imagined. Like Dustin Parsons has this thing about like dot to dot drawings. And he has this beautiful combination of, of story and drawing. Um, it's hard to describe and drawing um, pedagogy kind of. And it's this beautiful meditation on being part of a family and drawing a bird at the same time. And it's utterly unlike anything I've seen. And, and it's followed um, soon after by um, Deborah Miranda's really amazing work on colonialism and, and like her sort of coloring in these graphs and sort of creating these new images out of these, out of these old um, spreadsheets that had pretty much an evil purpose. And, um, and then like scrolling through it and using the word scroll, cause we do so much of that in our modern lives, but um but like Oliver's work, I forgot Oliver's last name all of a sudden, his images are all actually, speaking of scrolling, they're all square and they're all these beautiful collages. And when I when I look at those, I think, wow, I wish Instagram looked like this. <laughs> but then it reminds me that like everybody is playing in this landscape right now all the time, everyone who's on Instagram anyway, and and is playing with these 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 memes and these ways of combining words and pictures and we're, and we're communicating with each other in these ways. And, and 
I think this book sort of lets people go a little bit deeper. So in one way, it's missing a subtitle, Kelsey. Maybe it could be called Taking Instagram One Step Farther or something like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Instagram for deep people. <laughs> Instagram that stays still for the eye or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I guess... Why not? Since you the, since you took us there, Tom, I'm going to ask this this big question. So, um, you know, scholars they like to to look back and talk about like the moments of genre emergence. Um, you know, like the the novel arises in the 19th century at a moment where the attention shifts from the you know, like there's like all these ways of like why did the novel happen then? Um, why did comics arise in the, the 1950s and take off? Like, what was the, the cultural soil out of which suddenly this thing grew? Um, and, it, and it feels like, you know, Kelsey does this wonderful introduction where sh she goes back and shows all the precursors. Um, but it also feels to me like, like this moment of graphic literature, like it, it just feels so alive as a genre. And I'm wondering if part of that is the way that the text, image, and voice are suddenly showing up everywhere in social media, and this is part of that. Um, but you all have been thinking about this deeply. And, and so if somebody said, like, why graphic literature now? Do, do things come to mind? Well, does it, Kelsey? I have an answer. Yeah, I, I actually was thinking I'd love to hear Tom because I, I love how you think about this. <laughs> well, I think it's incredibly democratic. Um, it's incredibly egalitarian. And um, I actually had to have this explained to me once. It was many, many years ago. So at least I, I've been aware of it for a few years. But the reason that, that the written word has been so, um, so prominent is because it was cheapest for the longest period of time. Um, and I love the written word, and I've always, I've always put it on a pedestal, thinking it was the pinnacle of communication. And then, you know, a few years back, when somebody explained to me that it was just because of the printing press and and certain kinds of printing that really made that be the default communication style, I realized, like, oh, so maybe this thing that I do, <laughs> which I've been doing for 25, 30 years, comics, isn't such a lame excuse, you know, such a secondary. Um, form you know and that's actually when i started to realize like oh and the things that are happening on instagram and with memes and things are real um and there are genuine ways we can communicate that we haven't really explored because frankly up till recently it's been expensive to do so printing color and printing well and and stuff like that so anyway um that's sort of what I think. I forgot the question, but but I'm I'm excited that that there's so many people who who will make an image or two, or, or you know put some words and some images together and think, oh, I want to do more of this. That's sort of where this book comes in, I think. Yeah, and I when I was saying I love how Tom thinks about this, like in in Tom's essay in the book. He writes about his 25 plus year history of making comics and the ways that the tools have evolved and the technology has evolved and how he still feels tied to some of the original forms and uh, the sort of more analog and manual tools. Um, and yet, you know, it is still like open and exploring all of the new tools and 
um, and, and even doing making some music these days in really cool ways. Um, so, you know, yeah, so even expanding beyond. So, um, but I do think that the technology is, yeah, is so huge. I, I might like, you know, 15 years ago, my version of this course that's become more about comics did start more in like cut and paste collage, but it also in this, this class I've been talking about, but even my um, workshops, I started doing a lot of um, self-publishing of my students' work. Like either they would self-publish their own individual chapbook, you know, 35 pages or something, or we would do a class anthology. I mean, I say, I, I say it as if I've stopped doing it. We, I, I mean, I, I still do it to this day, but I started it like 15 years ago. And that's just something like you couldn't have done you know, even probably 20 years ago um, to put together a, a PDF and have it published by, I mean, we use something like lulu.com, um, but there are other little self-publishing places where students could then, you know, I don't know, just like engage with their words in different ways. And as soon as you're thinking on the page, you're thinking of how the page looks. And they were also incorporating images, collage images, that sort of thing that just like you could print now. You just couldn't have done that. You couldn't have afforded it. You couldn't have done it personally. And so this, I think, goes to that democratic spirit also that Tom was talking about. Um, so, yeah, I do think our technology of um, what you're able to print, what you're able to share um, online, what, you know, whether it's Instagram or um, all the online literary journals, it just means it's just so much easier and more accessible to like, you know, make a scan or take a picture and upload it. And um, so it's so it's exciting too to then see the way that literary journals, comics journals, you know, that like everyone sort of is opening up and realizing, you know, and, and being willing to publish this stuff too. Yeah, there, there's sort of this moment of like realization that we aren't, we aren't bound by a print, you know, coming from the print. Um, and, and I think one of the things I love about this notion that, you know, through the democratization of the ways of making, um, we're seeing more of it. It also means that, that artists can find themselves more easily because it's not just, people who are good at typing, right? Or people who are good at, um, that, that your talents can flourish in the ways that they want to. And, and I think I want to, I want to take, take us to a student or a student or two that I bet you've had. Um, I have them in the, I teach a text image course where we, we blend and explore, um, and it is this internalized sense of limitation. And so the writers will come in secretly excited and they'll say, I can't draw. And the artists will come in secretly excited and they'll say, I'm not a poet. I'm not a writer. Um, and, and then it's a matter of sort of excavating those internal limitations. But I'm wondering, I, I can imagine some listeners saying, this sounds really cool, but, but I'm not a writer. I can't draw. Right. They'll say something like that. Um, so I'm just wondering if we could speak to them for a moment, uh, about the book, but also about the, the art that the book celebrates and exemplifies and fosters. Yeah. I, I think that 
the, like those two sides and questions and students that you're, you know, profiles that you're talking about has been, was just so on our minds and really like, it's it's like I am the the person who's the writer going I can't draw and I don't know I, I can't say that Tom is like oh I'm an artist I can't write but it, but he came out of the more you know traditional form of comics and so um, and so I know that he his work speaks to those people who do feel more confident and and know a bit about comics coming in and um, and I think that you know, possibly my work speaks more to some of the writers who are like, wow, I've never tried this. I've wanted to. Um, and maybe who like me found their way in through, you know, erasures and collage and, you know, like step by step. And, and, and then I was like, well, now I'll start drawing a little, you know? And, um, so I, yeah, I mean, I, I know those students and I, and, and we really wanted to like our contributors really hit that balance as well. Many of our contributors kind of made names for themselves as writers and then started doing graphic work. Many of our contributors have been, you know, comics people since the beginning and, um, and you know, which probably came out of their interests in, in drawing and visual art first. Um, so we've, we've got something for everybody. And I, I, it's like the passion of, of my teaching life is to like, tell those students who say, I can't this, that yes, you can. And like you said, Eric, like that excavation of limitations, I think is such a beautiful and exciting thing. And so, yeah, I hope this book brings that out in them. Yeah, I think to anybody. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, you started the school and you had people journeying down to find you. Um, so, So I think, you know, you've, you've attracted students who are like, I need a place to go to explore this art. So I'm just curious what you have to say. I like uh, so much. Um, uh, what I was going to say is to any, to the writers who don't feel like they can draw, there's anybody can collage and it's probably the most fun thing anyway. <laughs> like given any time I'm, anytime I'm stuck or have free time, I'm like, I just want time to make a collage. Collage is so much fun and it, and it unlocks so much in your mind if you let it. And like, to, to me, that's the place everybody should start. Frankly, it's like collaging words and collaging pictures. And, and you'll, you'll just be, I think surprised just how much lives in an image text combination. And from there you can follow your, again, your instincts. I want to try writing my own words or I want to try drawing my own picture or maybe if I add just a little bit of paint to this magazine clipping or whatever and and you can just build a practice from there or an exploration or, or whatever you want to call it um yeah there's just it's just really it's just a great medium and I'm only now realizing how <laughs> how, how large the vista is you know it's really great mm. well you know, I had I had opened our conversation with just talking about the surprise and delight of um, of turning through the book for the first time and seeing all the possibilities. And I'm curious, you know, for people who have been doing this kind of work for a decade or more, um, what was it as you were putting this together that surprised you? You know, Tom, you were just speaking about the possibilities of collage. Um, or, or maybe another way to say it is you have these 28 contributors saying, hey, why don't you try this thing? 
what was the one that you were finally like, I need to stop working on the anthology and the collection for a second and try it? <laughs> um, go ahead, Kelsey, you have an answer to that? Um, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think so many go. of them were so inspiring to me, but I, I will say the ones that are the most inspiring to me are the less traditional ones. And the reason is actually, I'll, I'll go back to a little bit of what Kelsey was saying when, when she said that I, I identify more with the, the visual people um, or maybe I even, uh, you know, um, attract them or something or appeal to them. But in fact, I was always, I started as a traditional cartoonist, but I can never figure out why I couldn't draw. It was actually very difficult <laughs> and it still is, but the writing has always been really fun to explore and fun to expand upon. And, and, and the sort of connections that I make through, through the decades of practice seem a little more natural, whereas drawing still feels like the same struggle it was uh, when I was 16. Um, and to that end, I'm really overjoyed when I see work where the drawing is less, important or it's, or it's less important that it be um traditional that it be um what we've what we're used to that it be realistic that it be photorealistic <laughs> or that it even have its basis in photo photography um and so some of my favorites are uh, you know i love what aiden coke does she can just put a little circle down and it actually means something because she's created this sort of pathway in your mind where a circle of blue means something and you understand it through her sort of leading you through a story or um, any number of the people who in the book who did more poetic things, which again is, is the exact opposite of where I've been coming from for so long and the exact opposite of my own memoir. Yeah. And I, I didn't mean to like suggest I had no answer cause I couldn't, cause I didn't do want to do any of the exercises. More like I don't, I didn't even really know where to begin. So I kind of was like, Oh gosh. Um, but I can tell you, I mean, I've already just through the process of, of making this book brought some of the, um, you know, examples and exercise ideas into my own classroom. And, um, you know, having someone do like what Lauren Haldeman did, where she had a poem that she wrote, because um, she's a, a poet, but then she turned it into a poetry comic. And, um, and like, so I, I shared with my students, like, here's the original poem. And I, I kind of had them think about how they might adapt it, because that's one thing I love uh, to sort of take one of the steps out of, um, you know, the one of the intimidating steps, either like the writing or the drawing. If I give the, my students a poem that then they have to adapt, you know, I, I wanted them to start visualizing what they might do with it and then show how she did that, how Lauren did, did it to her own and how she, you know, sometimes had images that were sort of direct reflections of the language and, and other times the images like just did something surprising or, or came in at a different angle than we expected. Um, I love Matt Madden's uh, exercises in, um, in, st in style. And so he's got, you know, I mean, he's got his book of 99 different comics, uh, different styles and approaches to one story. And that book's been around for a long time, but we have five of the pages in here. And I just love the variety of those from like, you know, 
like imitating Rodolphe Topfer to um, to creating a map that's just like a single image, but somehow the map is like broken and divided up to, with arrows and words to tell the story that I just think is so, so clever. So, um, and, and that helps students see like, oh, like you could do this a million different ways. Um, and so those are just some of them. Uh, Mira Jacobs um, kind of her like, as she's called it paper doll style um, drawings of herself in her, in her comics where, so she'll just like kind of have this, the, the same image of herself over and over with um, a speech bubble coming out and, and then collaged onto some sort of, you know, a background photograph of like where she grew up or the interior of her house. Um, I, I love bringing those into the classroom. So, so much good stuff. Yeah, I think there's this, thank you, thank you for that. I, I think that there's this this way in which you can start to understand how image and text can work together um, that doesn't rely on some traditional and reductive notion of quality or, or the way that I'll often talk about it is is that almost any mark can have an emotional weight Um that, that if you draw, you know, quote unquote, like a child, that can have a tremendous power given how you situate it and how you frame it. Um, and so, so I try to go forward with something to the effect of like, you can't make a mistake, right? What we have to find instead is what are the expressive possibilities of what you're exploring? Um, and if you're doing, you know, smears of color, that's going to lead to one kind of work. If you're drawing something that has photorealism, that's going to lead to another kind of expressive possibility. Um, and the, I think that the, the book just shows that range of, of what you are able to do. I mean, there's the, I'm not, I, I don't quite remember who it is, but it's, it's just the fleetingest little marks on a page and single words and boxes and, you know, and yet it's so moving. Yeah. I was just going to say that's, that's actually like why we started the book with, um, you know, so we've divided it into different craft uh, sections, but the first one is lines and mark making. Like we just wanted it to be an invitation and so, yeah, the one that you're talking about is Leonie Briley, who uh, has her her comic Raw Feels is just, I, th- I think this is the one you're talking about, just, yeah, like a little squiggle here, a line there, just like one word per panel, but the panels aren't even full panels, like the, the lines kind of disappear and then start again. Um, and so, yeah, and she talks about um, the importance of like breathing, of like drawing and breathing being very similar. So we felt like that was a beautiful uh, piece to invite readers in, to not worry so much about, you know, the words, the perfect drawings, whatever, but just to kind of like breathe and be on the page and to see how marks, just to the gentlest mark can communicate. Yeah. And that's followed by um, Nick Francis Potter, who actually was inspired by his children. His children were having more fun than he was and expressing more than he was. And he was like, why, why can't I work like them? And then tried to find a, a way in to those expressive possibilities that you mentioned, Eric. Were, and, and his comics are really lovely for that reason, I think, where he just sort of lets himself play like the children play. How do you two find your way back to play as a foundational impulse for the art you make? 
um, you know, Kelsey and I were were talking just before the interview about the amount of of just sheer labor and doggedness it takes to put together a, a book like this because you're coordin- you know you're herding twenty eight cats um, as it's taking place, uh, and you know the the work of inking or the work of proofreading, which Tom says he bails on after ten pages. So <laughs> so. <laughs> Right. There is this sense of like, you know, we we know it when we're in that that state of play or that state of flow. Um, but somehow redeeming, you know, our artist selves and taking us back there. I'm just curious um, because so much of this book feels like it, it comes from a place of joy. The the work that the individual artists have done, even if the material is is very um, heavy and serious. Well, that's actually one thing I really love about Tom's essay in here, and and specifically his um, his sample. Like with everyone else, we we get a a full uh, completed uh, four or five page sample, and and Tom's sample is 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 process work, and so I just love he's got you know one giant panel in pencil that he's like written on he's scratched out words he's his characters are just kind of scribbles he's written outside of the frame and then the next one shows like the kind of like cleaned up inked version and then the next page shows it with a little bit of color and then the next page shows you know six panels in in sequence and and i think that's just a great way of showing the process that like start you like you have to start with play like let yourself scribble and let it emerge from your pen or pencil and um so i, I don't know so i think that's a great way how and and it's like something like that seeing that in the pages of of this book where everything else is quite polished and even his final pages are quite polished um is is a reminder to me of that really important stage of of the process i mean it well you have to bring in play i think at every stage but um but you have to start you have to start with play it's really funny that you you use me as an example there kelsey because i i actually near as i can tell i oh sorry about that buzzer near as i can tell i've quit comics um because I'm not enjoying it anymore. <laughs> and I had Tom, to, you're giving me a heart attack. No, it's, it's true. I, I, I'll give you the really short version, but I've been having fun with these 24-page stories for a while. And, uh, and after five of them, I, I saw sort of where it was heading, and I spent a few really exciting weeks mapping out sort of issues 6 through 12. And then I have just felt overwhelmed and kind of bothered by having to um having to assign so much effort to these ideas and that that's that's when i started playing music for the first time ever in my life (laughs) and i started to play and like and i don't know how to play music so i have no choice but to just experiment and um and let myself have confidence to know that like it's okay to really be bad at this and um and i since have not gone back to comics and and when I try, um, that's the that's the key question. Is this like 
how do I enjoy this, but also do something that matters? And I haven't found the answer to that yet. I found it in cycles, like in the past, there's been times where I felt both at the same time, but right now, now it's lost. <laughs> well, it's but interesting I, though, because you seemed to really enjoy, you created this amazing comic that opens the whole book, a, the two page forward where you and I are like floating, you know, like hanging out in some, like I don't even know what kind of watercolor gorgeous landscape and um can you talk about that yeah well uh, if I remember right that came right out of the um right out of the music actually or am I remembering opposite no I'm remembering the opposite the music came out of that collage Mm. what was what happened was was Apparently, I had promised a two-page introduction two years ago or something, and didn't realize I hadn't done it yet. So there was a two-day a two-day turnaround, um, and also I wanted to honor everything I believe um, Kelsey has has helped me learn over the over the past number of years, and so um, all I could do was in that amount of time was assemble. Um, materials, which involved me painting on all sorts of scraps of paper, scanning them because I'm pretty competent with a scanner and Photoshop, and then just trying to create a two-page narrative out of that. And um, that was maybe the last good comic I've ever made (laughs) and and will ever make because it was full of joy. It was such a pleasure to make. And it did matter, I think. I really wanted to give something that was both an an offering to Kelsey and an offering to our publishers and to our our contributors and say, like, I, I, I recognize all that you've contributed to, to this art form and, and here's how I've grown from it. And thank you. Um, Yeah. I don't know. That was, and then the seriously, the music came out of that. It's like when I started making music, I was like, "Oh, this is just like collage." The way I made that collage mm-hmm. for Kelsey. So that's interesting, actually. Um, to, yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to recover from this idea that Tom Hart's never going to make comics. But um, and this but, was the podcast on which we learned it. <laughs> I don't podcast. think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's true, but I, but I, I get what you're saying actually, because as you were describing it, I was like, oh, that's where I got with writing, and and I heard I heard Kristen Radke, one of our contributors that Tom mentioned, say not exactly the same thing, but it, in in an interview somewhere, she talked about how she you know moved it. She was a writer who started doing um, videos and then doing comics, and and she just thought she would never write a traditional essay again. And, um, and I was like, Oh, that's going to be me. Like, I, I just felt like in my bones, like, and, and that was, I think what happened was I kind of like, like got exhausted by, um, you know, writing in general in my own writing and I want, and I needed to like blow it open. And so I came to, you know, graphic literature and comics just with that play. Like I felt like, well, I've already, you know, I've published some books. I don't like need to like, you know, publish a book of this, whatever, like, and so I just started going and it was just like, so exciting to try all these different like styles and figure out what the potential was of the medium in general, what my potential was within it. And, and uh, yeah, so, so that I, I found the joy in that, in that switch. And now I'm kind of like, Oh, am I going to write, you know, a more traditional something again, or not, not even more traditional, but 
you know, just something only with words. And I don't know. I remember early on, sorry, this is rambling, but Tom telling you when I, after I was at Saw in 2017, and then um, we interacted a, a bit um, after that. And I, I, I was struggling with the, um, with the move into comics. And I said, I, I said to you something like, I miss sentences. I miss the rhythm of sentences. And so I was, I was eager and excited, but I felt like there was something sentences could do that. Like once you put an image with it, it compromised the sentence and like, and then, you know, whatever. So, um, I've, I've found a different rhythm. I, I hadn't found it yet, but I understand now the way the rhythms of like panels and image text and, you know, that kind of thing can work in a different way that I find really pleasing, but it was, it was, it was a tough transition, high learning curve for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as we all say goodbye to the art forms in which we've achieved considerable <laughs> success. Um, I think my version of that is that, you know, having written a couple of books when I start a project, I can, I can see how it will end. And I think that's just a fucking ton of work. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I already know how, what it's going to look like. Do I really want to do it? And, and when I work with text image um, or some of the, you know, I've been working with, with audio pieces, I don't know what's going to happen. And so there's this delight and discovery. And I think, that's what's also that's that's one of the invitations of the book that you put together like come in here and delight and discover along with the the writers that you've collected so maybe a, a good place to bring us to a close would be that that this is not only a book that beginners could go to but it could it could be a place where people who are looking to rebegin could go mm. to yeah, uh, and go from there well, yes. Kelsey and Tom, I'm so grateful for your time. Congratulations on the book and thank you for being on the New Books Network. Yeah. Thank you thank for you. having us. It's been a great talk. Thanks, Eric. Sure thing. My name is Eric LeMay, and you've been listening to an interview with Kelsey Ervik and Tom Hart about their book, The Rose Metal Press Field Guide to Graphic Literature, here on the New Books Network.